Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Happy Havens Podcast. Your host, as always, is me, Gnarly Canary, and with me today is... Simon Vickland. Woohoo! Uh, game developer. I love games. Uh, so, so you are actually in Sweden, right? I am, yeah. Wow. Happy Haven goes international again, guys. <laughs> where, where have you been before? I have um, the team that created um, Mutant Football League. Mm-hmm. Um, um, Michael Mendheim is local for me. He Well, not local, but he lives in Chicago. But yeah. the entire development team was out of Kiev. All right, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had them That is a abroad. Yeah. <laughs> so that's... This little show, traveling the world. Yeah. Um, but you guys, uh, fresh off of E3, um, you work for uh, Ten Chambers Collective. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, every everyone is a partner, actually. That's awesome. Everyone who is uh, is part of the development team is a is a partner. That is a cool model. So we're all like co-founders, and and um, yeah. Whereas we all wear many hats because I mean we're such a small team, so so um, so you got to wear a lot of hats. Uh, we don't we, we can't cover everything. You know, everyone in, in larger teams, you always have like a specialized like maybe several specialized like you know artists. Like I only focus on faces or like you know modeling the creases in in clothing and and you know all right. the super advanced stuff and we're just you know i do some uh, i do all the music but i do some sound effects i do uh, cast voice actors and direct the voice actors i write a little bit of the script and communicate with our uh, freelance script writer uh, adam gascoin and uh, uh i do some documentation and a little bit of sound des- uh, uh, game design and and uh, n- narrative design and, and stuff like that uh and then there's other people. They do programming and like render programming, AI programming, and oh, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, animation and game. What, what is it? Uh, level design and whatnot. Okay, so yeah, that's that's a lot of hat switching. <laughs> yeah, up there. Yeah, there's a few I've... hats with me, and then other people with, with. Some have even more hats than I do, but yeah, it's it's <laughs> a it's a very like multi-talent team. Uh, everyone has. Pretty much everyone has like 15, 18 years in the business. Uh, oh, wow. Most of us. Well, so uh, this is the first game from you guys as the the Ten Chambers Collective, right? Yes. Okay. Because I know. Um, and, it, and it isn't even out yet. Right. <laughs> so it's yeah. Like, yeah so. We we still we still got to prove ourselves. Um, I'm pretty sure the pedigree of of what you guys have worked on before. Uh, I'm pretty confident yeah. the game will be pretty badass when it when it comes out. Um, it'll be uh, we're confident, yeah. It'll be it'll be something good. But but yeah, I mean, living up to to payday become became such a big thing, and yes, uh, now we got to follow that up somehow. Uh, but yeah, the first payday game was kind of a similar situation where we were uh, very few guys uh, with with a lot of experience, but we. We got some people from um, game development school here in Stockholm. Um, uh, they had their uh, what's it called uh, internship uh, at our company. A few of those uh, the students from from that place, and then uh, we hired them actually, and they probably got the lowest salary anyone could. <laughs> we uh, ourselves we were living off of you know our savings and stuff uh, for the first payday game. So that was really like shoestring budget sort of. Right. project and we're trying to stretch you know what can we do with few people uh we can't do call of duty you know moving from a to b through this scenery where it's like stuff happening all the time helicopters crashing and it's like a roller coaster ride we can't do that we can't have cinematic sequences or like too many big events and we tried to like create we be clever with the game development and, and fold the levels on top of themselves. So they're rather than running from A to B through this uh, the whole stretch of, you know, uh, in-game world where, where, that you have to populate with people and, and buildings and props and stuff. 
Instead, we try to fold the, the levels so that you actually, I don't know if you play the first payday game, but there's this bank heist where you go inside the lobby and then you're supposed to move around in the bank and you go back and forth uh, inside this rather small uh, place, really. Uh, and we try to be clever with that. And, and in use, of course, the, the fact that when you came in, come in, it's pristine and it looks nice and everyone is like standing in line. And then mm-hmm. when you start shooting and the more cops come in and you shoot those <laughs> cops, uh, there's like when you move back through that same room that was pristine a minute ago, then suddenly there's like bodies uh, and like uh, bullet holes and, and the windows are smashed and, you know, all these. So it's like you, you see stuff happening to the to the surrounding as well. Uh, but that was really like us trying to be clever with like, w- w- let's try to make the most of what little we can do as a small team. And it's really the same situation now with, with uh, GTFO, which is the game that we're doing now as uh, 10 chambers, 10, 10 chambers collective. Uh, we're trying to be really clever with what we can do with few people. And we were even fewer now than we were when we didn't made the first payday game, but we were confident that we can make quite a splash uh, anyway. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, I remember, you, you know, you said you didn't know if I'd played. I've played both Payday and Payday 2. Um, yeah. And, yeah, those, I mean, the, the experiences, you know, I mean, for being, you know, th- thrown into the, the, what, the first-person shooter genre or whatever, um, yeah. it definitely had gameplay that stood out and has been mimicked, Um by studios that are, you know, bigger and have bigger teams than you. Um, I've seen a lot of game modes come since Payday hit and hit so big, at least over here in the States. Um, yep. Payday was huge here. And I've seen a lot of the bigger studios actually, you know, I, I ape or mimic what you guys did with that. So, you know, uh, the, like I said earlier, the, the pedigree that you guys can bring to the shooter arena um, mixed with, you know, the new concept, and I, I'm definitely excited to be able to get my hands on the first uh, the first little bit I can. Um, being a fan of uh, co-op games, and yeah. you know, the zombie genre being what it is, or, or the horror genre, finally starting to realize that, you know, games like Left 4 Dead. And payday are fun, um, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, I mean, it's, it it looks. Like, I mean, I guarantee you, when it hits, it, it blows up uh, just like payday did. Uh, people are are looking for that kind of that kind of play again. I think uh, um, Battlefield and Call of Duty and stuff have kind of exhausted um, a lot of the multiplayer space with you know yearly not very original releases and i think people are looking for a change of pace and a four-player dedicated co-op game um i think might be it yeah it really it really is i mean if you look you know people were people were discounting the battle royale games when they first started hitting you know and Mm -hmm. and now you've got battlefield is basically their biggest e3 tag was we're doing battle royale with battlefield yeah, so, you know, like people are looking for different online experiences. Um, it's been kind yeah. of the same since Payday and Payday Two, you know. And, yeah. and I'm not saying that to 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 blow smoke up your guys' rear end because you're on the show. But I mean, as a gamer who games daily, um, yeah, I, I think a lot of the straightforward, just competitive multiplayer first-person shooter space has gotten really stale and boring. And I think your concept and and what you were able to do with payday payday switching it to a horror genre and having that nice tight co-op that you guys were able to pull off i think it'll be a shot in the arm uh for gamers who are getting bored and tired and then you know you've got this new generation of gamers that are playing now that this may be their first introduction to what you guys are able to to pull off in a shooter game so you know you've got multiple multiple should, crowds that should, will embrace what you guys are going to do and, and I mean we sure hope so too. like we're at the same time we're trying to to be really like true to our vision and not dilute the sort of hardcore concept that we initially came up with so it is a 
it is a niche sort of product that we really uh, at first wanted like intended as a purely as a love letter to people who already who who, who like you know the sort of um, three four you know player uh, cooperative games and uh, probably already ha- has a you know people who have a cruise that they regularly play with and, and right. they have short hands and they they know one another and they have their roles and uh, this is uh, GTFO is really a game that's gonna you know put these people to the test and really challenge them uh, but of course we we hope that other people find find the um, find GTFO as well and and enjoy it uh, we'll see. Like it's not, it's not as like the the elevator pitch for for payday is so easy. It's like left for dead, but instead of <laughs> zombies, you got cops. Pretty much, uh, there's a little bit more to it, but that's the elevator pitch. Uh, for GTFO, it's not as as simple as that. And um, I'd say that the gameplay isn't as accessible in a way because it's it's gonna be demanding in terms of coordination and uh, you know uh, communication and and all that. Um, and it has a very different pace. Uh, people looking for uh, an action fix, I think, are gonna be. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't. I don't want to use the word disappointed, but <laughs> it's. Uh, so, well, they're gonna it have to change their pace. strategy. Yeah. Definitely, yeah. You use the word uh, "change of pace" uh, and uh, or the expression "change of pace," and that's exactly what it is. Really, uh, we're, GTFO is far from a reskin of of Payday uh, or Pity Two or anything we've done before. It's a very different yeah. beast. Like it has a lot more exploration and a lot more like stealth, and it has a slower pace. But when poop hits the fan, it really hits the fan hard. Uh, so it's. It has this super dynamic, like high highs and really low lows in terms of the tempo, um, which allows it to build atmosphere. And we're really putting a lot of energy into the voice acting and have like banter between the characters. And it's it's gonna be like it's gonna be really deep in uh, deep experience. See, and I think people are are looking for that. You know, like I said, I mean, I've kind of gotten bored with a lot of the. I'm, I'm playing a lot of single player games right now because a lot of the online games they're they're boring to me. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's all vanilla vanilla arenas. You know, even if it's a different publisher or a different game title, I mean, you know, it's it's all it's all kind of blended into the same experience. I got into H1Z1. Uh, yeah, you know when it when it came out for the PS4, and I got into that for a little while. But even even with that, I was just like after a while, I was just like the only game mode I liked was either duos or fives, and that's when you can put a headset on and you're actually having to coordinate with people. So if that's what GTFO is bringing for the table, there's a whole lot of us who you know are looking for that. I know every gamer friend that I have who would play online with me. That's exactly the kind of stuff that we talk about that needs to come out. And <laughs> well, I mean, but if you that look sounds at, promising. I mean, think about how big Valve is. The yeah. two main things they're asked are Half-Life 3, which the anguish of not getting Half-Life 3, I think, sustains Gabe Newell's soul. That's why it will <laughs> never come out. And yeah. everybody wants another Left for Dead. And if they're not going to do it, then... You know, somebody else will like like what you guys yeah. are doing, and if you're gonna add even more depth to it, then that's just a bonus on top of. If people want another horror co-op game, then you guys supply that need, but then you deepen the systems a little bit, and it makes the game even better for people who really like to get into that kind of stuff. So I mean, mm. you know, when it first got announced, um, I was super stoked on it, and then when the Twitter profile for 10 chambers followed me the same five minutes, I got the notification that you followed me. I was reaching out to have somebody from the studio on, on the show. Cause once I started reading about the game and really looking at what it was, I got super psyched on it. And I know yeah. I honestly, every gamer I know is looking for a good co-op experience. So People over here yeah, were stoked on it. I mean, even even though <laughs> even though it's you know what I mean, like there's no demo and there's a people are stoked on it. I mean, I saw that yeah. you, you guys got awards at E3. 
that's yeah, pretty E3, awesome. Yeah, E3 was crazy. Like we we <laughs> we were hoping, but you know, we could never expect. Uh, it was it was insane. Like we were we had booked people ahead of of the show because we were in this super like incons- inconspicuous um, little meeting room. I don't know uh, how many like th- three yards by. I don't know. I didn't even know. In, in, right. Uh, in uh, yeah, American. I don't know what you mean. Yeah. Like it wasn't. It wasn't big. It was cramped. We had four computers in there and a sofa so that people could play together uh, on the computers. And we had people waiting in the sofa. And then we made. We did a few in, interviews and stuff. But we gave um, pretty much everyone who was there like an hour to play the game, oh, which means that we could have, uh, I think, eight people a day or something uh, play the game or eight. Uh, uh, um, like eight squads almost. Yeah, eight, um, eight, um, pub. What's the word? Uh, uh, I can't find the word. It's oh, so no. frustrating. <laughs> uh, eight. Uh, this is crazy. Anyway, eight like websites or whatever. You know, people from different. Uh, oh yeah, like pub- public, like publications or something. Publications was the yeah. word I was looking for. Yeah, I, I, I my brain was like publishers. No, 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 pub, 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 pub. We're the publishers. Wait. <laughs> Pub- <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So um, uh, publications, um, and that's not a lot for three days. You know, uh, so it was like less than thirty different publications that even tried the game. For you know, for on these three days, we had like eight slots a day or something like that. And we had a few partners, you know, people who are interested in maybe um, doing something with us for the game. You know, we had people from Unity because they paid for the booth and stuff, try the game as well. So uh, there was that. So a, a, a few of the slots were even lost to that sort of uh, not lost. Of course, that served a purpose as well. But anyway, I digress. So we didn't have a lot of like, you know, exposure, really. Right. Show, you know, no lines outside, no, you know, the, the public wasn't there lining up and being able to play the game even. We just had pre-booked people. And uh, then we, the second day and the third day, these awards started coming in and, and people who had played the game were really, really enjoying it. And, and uh, yeah, there was a buzz even, you know, despite the fact that the, the public hadn't even, you know, couldn't couldn't try it. So, yeah. It was it was really nice, and it confirmed that you know what we had hoped for, but not dared maybe expect that we we had we're on to something, sort of. Yeah, I mean that definitely speaks to that. I mean you got to think E3 is this big huge event, and all the major publishers they take up all this attention. So like the fact that you guys created a buzz in the midst of all that like super publishers throwing millions of dollars for this three day event. And you yeah. guys still got awards and created a buzz amidst all the the corporate noise. That's pretty amazing, and it should be a good indication that what you guys are are going to bring to the table is what a lot of gamers are, are actually wanting. Yeah, so that that's that's awesome for you. I didn't realize that you know you guys were were that limited there with space and everything else, and still got awards and people still came out talking about it. I've seen articles from e3 about your game so that is really cool with how much some of those studios throw events and this and that you know naughty dog made people sit out in this fake barn to run a trailer and then made them awkwardly get up to go to the real sony press conference and you know like you said you guys had this room with the small bank of monitors and you still got awards and, and created buzz so yeah, yeah that, it was it was awesome, and that's I mean, really when, when, cool. <laughs> you, when you're nominated when you're nominated for like best in show uh, by like PC PC Gamer, which is huge, yep. uh, Game Informer also huge. You know, yeah. you're in the same category. Like we knew we wouldn't win, but like we're nominated in the same category as Last of Us Two and, and Anthem and uh, Hideo Kojima's uh, what's the word um, Death Stranding. Death Stranding, or what yeah, I've exactly. labeled those, those. It's been two uh, years, and I still don't know what the heck that game's about. Game, yeah. <laughs> no one does. Does he even? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, there's like I, a uh, point where you're like, maybe Konami reined him in for a reason, and maybe they shouldn't be hated on. The guy's a genius, but 
I think without any sort of discipline, it's like, you know. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, 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 I've enjoyed a few of the, uh, the uh, Metal Gear games. I played the first Metal Gear Solid games, uh, but, yep. I mean, that was late 90s, early 2000s, so it's been like 15 years at least since yeah, I played me too. it. I think my favorite one was Snake Eater, and that was on the PS2. Yeah, when it first came out. <laughs> so yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, but, but uh, anyway, we were we were into we were uh, uh, nominated in these categories, and it was I mean uh, it's an honor just to be in the same category as these huge titles, and we knew that we wouldn't win, even though it would be awesome if like one of those publications at one year gave the best in show to some you know completely unknown self published little like even if it wasn't us like. Of course, it would be cool if it was us. But right, but yeah, it's, to not it's go like, with the you yeah. know you know it's gonna be like it's gonna be Death Stranding or it's gonna be uh, you know some Naughty Dog title or something because they don't they don't do anything wrong like they do everything they throw money at the project and they have huge talent. Like I mean, they uh, do their games are incredible, but yeah, I mean they're absolutely they're great. There's nothing to complain about. Like it's top notch. It's the best that the 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 the, the game. Con- the concept of games has to offer really in terms of storytelling and it's very cinematic and it's like yeah so of course it's it's hard to to to, to you know be up against that but right. yeah i but mean i had nominate, like the, the the funniest one was the i think it was the game informer guy who played the game and he was like yeah thank you um i, I enjoyed it and he shook the hands of the you know the developers who were there and a few of them had played the, the session with him uh, and he went, oh, I'm just going to head outside. And he went through the door out, out of the meeting room where we were. And then he came back like two minutes later. Yeah, I got, uh, I just wanted you to, to, ha- to have this. And they handed over this uh, award or the nomination, uh, the plaque that you can wow. put, put on the. So he had already, like, uh, while playing, I assume, made up his mind, like, this is one that of the best. Be so I'm going to yeah. nominate these guys. And then he had, I guess, the power to do that without consulting anyone else. Uh, because he was like out, just played the game out for two minutes, came back with that, and like you guys deserve this. <laughs> like, cool. <laughs> That's really awesome because Game Informer holds a lot of sway. They do, yeah. They, I mean, so they, I mean, I, look, I I have a podcast where I cover all kinds of stuff, games, comics, movies, whatever. But I have followed the Game Informer podcast for years, and I've been a subscriber to that magazine since the PS2 era. Oh yeah. So I mean, yeah, they hold a lot of sway in the game market. So that's some really cool. That's some really cool. Kudos. That's approval. Yeah, that means a lot. Yeah, it really does. So, but uh, so are you guys? Um, I mean, I don't. I know there's things you can't talk about, but is there going to be a beta or a, a demo before release, or are you guys just gonna to maybe stress test servers, or is it going to be you just get to buy it when it comes out? We're we're mostly aiming. asking selfishly. <laughs> we're, we we're we're. I don't want to use the word plan because there is no really like there's no date right. or anything. But yeah, we've been we want to have a beta. Uh, we're tight with uh, uh, Fat Shark, the developers of Vermintide and the sequel. Yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, we know that they wished when they put out the first Vermintide that they had tested the the game more than they had done so we don't want to you know in their post-mortem they 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 wrote about that you can actually read it on gamma sutra um yeah so we don't want to step into that trap and and not you know test the game enough uh so yeah we want to have a beta of some sort and what shape or form that is you know if it's closed or open or if it's for a day or if it's for a week if it's invite only uh we don't know at this point really uh we just want to test a few things before we put out the game so yeah um there is probably going to be a beta of some sort okay so where can people, um, I mean, other than l- looking it up on the website, is there a, where, where can people find it so they can track, you know, the game and get involved in the I, social community around it? I would, uh, the, the two best, um, like, s- social media platforms to, to, to keep, keep in touch with us is Twitter for the sort of day-to-day or hour-to-hour updates where we can put out stuff, you know, 
super quickly. Yeah. And then there's uh, our mailing list, uh, which you get signed up to if you sign up as an ambassador on our website, 10chambers.com. If you, if you sign up as an ambassador, you will get emails maybe once a month or maybe three weeks or something like that. And sometimes we, I mean, we will not flood your, your inbox. Right. It'll uh, be like a newsletter. It, It'll be like a newsletter yeah. every once in a while when we actually have something interesting to say. So there will be something now after E3 where it's like a summary of, you know, uh, with some links to the to the most interesting and biggest articles about, you know, about the game and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, and when we make huge, like, you know, progresses or reveals, we, we always send something out, maybe even ahead of uh, sending it to the press just to give a little something to the to the ambassadors. Uh, and we've we've sent out a little bit of like ambassador exclusive material as well, like behind the scenes stuff. Uh, so yeah, uh, so that's the the exclusive sort of info and more like heavy stuff comes uh, on the mailing list, but not as often. And then on Twitter, it's more like minute to minute sort of sort of stuff. Right. Well, it also gives you. You know, the Twitter stuff's more, you know, interactive. It, it helps you build a community even before the game comes out when people when people join up and start talking to each other. When you guys release things on there, people can talk about how cool it was together. And then, you know, yeah. the, you know they, they could even preemptively squat up before the game even comes out. You know, <laughs> they find somebody and they're like, dude, I like you. When this game comes out, me and you are going to, you know, we got to find two other people. And then we're going to throw down and kill some exactly. monsters and be awesome. So, yeah, I mean, I love how interconnected a lot of stuff is with that. I mean, you know, having been a gamer since, I think, I got my first Nintendo in, like, 1986, right? Because I'm approaching old man status as I look at 40 being really close. So, I mean, I've been a gamer since I was five. And, you know, the past couple of years have just been really cool with how interconnected you can be with the people who actually bring you the games that you end up falling in love with, so... Yeah, I think Twitter. Well, we're about really the cool same tool. age then. I got uh, an NES was my first platform as well, and I was like eighty six, maybe, Yo. maybe eighty seven. And my dad was mad because he he was one. <laughs> he was from that camp that video games will rot your brain. And I had a really cool grandma who was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna buy it for him anyway." <laughs> so like she she was smart, man. She she uh, she had me come over the night before, so I spent the night at her house on Christmas Eve. And so I got to open it before he could say no. So I had the box for like 12 hours before <laughs> before I went home. Yeah, and he like, that you know, must they, have been. Yeah, he went to pick me up and, you know, I have my overnight bag from staying with grandma. And then the Nintendo box came out and like he stopped for a second and you could see his jaw tighten just a little <laughs> bit. But he was really cool about it because he set it up to the TV as soon as we got home. You know, okay. it wasn't like a nightmare story where I had to hide in the closet with a little TV. He was gracious enough to be like, well, it's yours now, kid. So, you know, and then they would send me to bed and I could hear them playing it <laughs> when I had to go. So he didn't want it in the house. Well, it rot your brain. Well, was it? Yeah, no, they would go and rent games. And I didn't even know they were renting them. I kid you not. They they rented Mighty Bomb Jack for the Nintendo. Okay. And they were playing it one night, and the only reason why I went downstairs to see what was going on is I only had, um, I think, Metroid, uh, some weird Popeye game that was just a nightmare of what the heck is this, and Mario and Duck Hunt. And I was like, I don't recognize the music coming out of that Nintendo at all. And they had gone to the video, the, like a video store, and rented a game to play while I was in bed. Yeah, and it was my, and it was my so Nintendo. Were, <laughs> like, so he ended up really appro- liking approving it. Approving of of your uh, Christmas gift, but behind your back, sort of. Yeah, they I didn't want to admit that they wanted to play as well. Right, but I'll tell you what: multiplayer and competitive multiplayer really started with my dad, who didn't want it in the house. Um, we found a game called Bases Loaded for the Nintendo, which was a, a baseball game. It actually had voice in it. And he would actually play me uh, in the summer because during the school year, I had a strict bedtime because, I mean, I was young. You know, I was little. Um, but in the summer, he would play me. 
at bases loaded. And if I won, I got to stay up until 10 o'clock. <laughs> and if I lost, yeah. I had to go to bed at the normal time. Hard, so like Hard currency for a kid. Right. So the man was cool enough to like, if I lost, I didn't really lose anything. Yeah. But if I won, I actually won something like, and, and, <laughs> but, but it got me into competitive gaming. Cause I was like, if I can beat the old man, I can stay up tonight, you know, like, yeah, yeah. so yeah. So it's, you know, and, and now I play with, you know, I've got, uh, I've got two daughters and, and I'm playing through Detroit become human with the oldest because she's, mm-hmm. she's old enough to watch a game like that without it completely horrifying her and us with the content. And then my youngest one, I'm playing through um, Resident Evil 5 and 6, and she kind of got hooked on H1Z1. So I turn all the um, all the chat off because most people on online games are nightmare garbage humans when they talk. So <laughs> I turn off all the chat and I let her go. So I mean, uh, but you mean that only the oldest one is old enough to play Become Human? But the youngest one can still play Resident Evil games. Yeah, because well, I mean, the the, the well, you know, the gunplay and and the horror, it's like that's actually okay, and I'm right there too. Like she's not allowed to load up a rated M game by herself and sit in the living room. Like, but Detroit yeah, yeah. Become Humans got really mature themes and a lot of language in it, and yeah, I wouldn't even dare if, if my oldest wasn't over eighteen, I wouldn't be playing it in front of her. Okay. You know, so like six, six and five on Resident Evil have almost zero cursing, and it's you know, I mean, you're shooting fictional creatures. It's not like you're. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's more not cartoony, but it's more like clearly. Yeah. Uh, clearly, um, fiction like a fantasy or. Right. Exactly. It's gory, but human, it's like it's, it's like people exaggerated. Like, yeah. Detroit Become Human is people in like horrible or androids in horrible situations that yeah. only a real adult will understand. So, you know, yeah, it's more has, like existential horror. Exactly. So, okay, like, yeah. you know, the, but I also have I have a um, a friend got me a Raspberry Pi emulator um, or emulation station that runs off Raspberry Pi. So he, he loaded up a Nintendo and a Super Nintendo and all that stuff. And I actually play most of that stuff with her. Um, she found the same love for Donkey Kong Country that I had. <laughs> so, you know, we play stuff like that, but, you know, for the yeah. new console stuff, it's really regulated what she can what she can play. We've played through a lot of, like, Lego Batman and Lego Avengers and stuff, but she's, she's over 10 years old, so that stuff, you can kind of see it losing its charm yeah. with her. Yeah, yeah. So that's why. I, I heard a lot of good stuff about the uh, the Lego games, that they're actually really good. They are? I think I got more out of the Marvel ones than she did, but I'm a huge comic book nerd. Yeah, yeah. So you know, I looked at the it's, roster. It's funny how it's funny how you know, uh, um, um, licensed games are often bad, and then those Lego games are actually like double licensed games. Like it's both Lego Lego license and something else, like Indiana Jones or Star Wars. Or, right. Yeah. So it's like two actually double like licenses but and then they're somehow good i don't know if there's a two minus makes a plus there or something i don't know maybe or maybe because they just make the games fun and they're not trying to sell the product by using the license because it's lego Uh, i mean good god if if i could tap into their revenue stream for just 30 seconds once in my life i'd be (laughs) set forever so they don't you know what i mean like i think it's more you know why they you know why they did that why they started with the licensing licensing stuff because they almost they almost didn't they were, exist they, they were losing their patent for the lego uh cubes or the the building blocks so they figured that we gotta you know before the competition comes on the market you know and you can actually create now legally create like pieces that fit with the lego design oh and everybody did immediately no, I don't know if they did, but because uh, you don't here see they it did. in the stores, they did. Yeah, over here they did. You can buy. There's like off-brand names, and um, over here you can buy like um, I forget what it's. It's like Mega Blocks or something like that. Yeah, yeah, and, I recognize that. Yeah, but they're and, they're bigger, I think. But or they're maybe they, licensing now too. 
Okay. Uh, Me- Mega Bloks has stuff like um, Halo and oh, Titanfall. And right. yeah, it's mostly video game licenses, but they are okay. a generic Lego and they've started licensing what Lego's not going after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over here, anyway, you go to the toy store. My, my analysis is that Lego started doing that because they figured, okay, uh, in a couple of years, we're not gonna have the patent anymore, so we gotta we got we gotta get what head start we can and start like reeling in these super big franchises and and into the and and intellectual properties that we can tie to us, right. and then that'll make us you know now they got the games and they got the movies. That was a movies. brilliant move. Yeah, yeah. Now they're bigger than they were before they even, you know, before they, you know, when they had the patent securely, they're bigger now without it than they were when they had it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. I watched a documentary on Lego, and they actually had to do a massive layoff and were, like, seconds away from bankruptcy. And, yeah, I heard, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, family-owned until the CEO that runs it now came in years ago. And the decisions he made saved Lego. We almost didn't have it anymore. Like it was almost completely gone. Yeah. So yeah, it was. It's pretty cool bounce back to see such a worldwide beloved toy like not go away. You know, right now um, here in the states, and I think they're. I think they have stores overseas too. Is Toys R Us is gone? Yeah, yeah. Like, they we are. lost yeah. Toys R Us, and that was. We had it in Sweden for an '80s kid. That was horrible to read like that toys r us is gone like that was that yearly catalog was like the holy grail of childhood yeah the toys r us christmas catalog like yeah yeah you could just, just circle things you were never through, gonna have yeah browse through it and dream about owning <laughs> circle things you were never gonna have but yeah. you circled it in case like somebody saw it and was like Oh, uh, the kid does need He-Man's castle playset. <laughs> and then they look and they're like, but not for $189.99. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, I, what I did with my siblings was that we we would, uh, you know, uh, browse through it, like, and we would, you know, flip to the next page. And whatever whatever toy on the next page you pointed to first, you got, like, in your fantasy. Nice. Sort of. So you would be like, and and the other and your sibling couldn't pick the one that you picked, so you had to be like quick and and know which one you wanted. So that was like a dreaming about owning all the all the stuff from from these catalogs. That is the first time I've ever heard of competitive wishing. That <laughs> yeah, is that's, an that's awesome what it concept. was. That was that was what it was. Like I wish for this, and you cannot wish for it now. Right. But I, <laughs> But I actually have a He-Man guy. Yeah, you don't get his castle. I have it. Yeah, exactly. In my mind. In my mind, <laughs> palace. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's just, I don't know. It, I, I don't know if it's age or whatever, but nostalgia's been hitting me like crazy, you know, yeah. lately. And everything over here is is such a political crap show, and I strive to avoid it. Um because life is supposed to be happy and, you know, like, stand up for what you know is right. Yeah. And don't poop your pants over everything else that really doesn't matter. Because there's so much going on around you that you're going to miss if you're constantly upset at something. So, yeah. like, I, I'm starting to see nostalgia come back in a big way for a lot of people. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's an age thing for me or what, but I, I don't know. It's... It, I, I mean, it, it's 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 a kind of a circular or like a cycle sort of thing. I think, you know, things from about 30, 35 years ago uh, start to whenever whenever you, wherever you are in history, at least now that there's like in the past 50 years where there's been some sort of like consumer, like it's more there's more of a commercial aspect to western civilization there is something about things that are like 30 35 years old that suddenly it's like we could we could look at that and and uh, it's fun again sort of uh with clothing and with music and Mm -hmm. you know pop culture stuff yeah and i think that that might be it i mean yeah over here you know 50 60 years ago 
a lot of people were, you know, you, you had a bunch of kids because they needed to go work outside. Yeah. And, you know, grow your food and do this or work in your work in your shop in your town. And and, you know, since about the since the end of the Great Depression here, you know, consumerism has just exploded decade by decade. So yeah. at this point, the stuff coming out now is, yes, it's much more advanced and it's got all this technology in it. And technology is changing all the time. But the parts of it are so disposable because there's such a glut of it. Yeah. That I think my generation is looking backwards at stuff when it was still, you know, it, it wasn't so here today, gone tomorrow. You know, like shows yeah. and movies, once you missed it, you pretty much missed it. Like if you missed it on TV, that was it. Like your favorite cartoon, yeah. if you missed an episode, that was a lost episode. They didn't have DVD collections and video collections. and no, Exactly. And, yeah. So like. Everything you had today to, is almost more disposable, almost. You know? Yeah, you ha you had to uh, arrange your life to the to the TV schedule, sort of, if you wanted you to. Really did. Like, it was the same. I mean, it was the same before cell phones as well. Like you were, if you were uh, had you know arranged with a friend to meet some somewhere, and you are late on your way there. There's no way to contact that person. You had to plan ahead and be like. Now that we've decided to meet there at this time, I got to be there. Like today you can like, you know, subconsciously in the back of your head, you're probably thinking like yeah, I have got, got like a cell phone. I can always minutes. call yeah. them. Like if it's if I'm five minutes late, it's not a big deal. Whereas like 20 years ago, that was if you were five minutes late, they presumed you dead. <laughs> that was a sin. Yeah. <laughs> Murdered in the woods by a guy in a clown suit with a van. Yeah. yeah. Some, like when we like, were kids and somebody missed something, we were like. Somebody got Johnny. <laughs> and then, you know, it perpetuated the myth of the milk carton and being ended up on the back of a milk carton and everything. Else. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I was mean, starting stand to see by the, me. the old man looking backwards stuff, and I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready to for that precipice yet. I kind of still like not being that guy. Like, I, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be the old guy who's like, remember when i don't yeah like and it, it is starting to happen uh, do you really need, do you really need to do that though say remember when because i mean hollywood is kind of doing it for you like remember they when are, but they ghostbusters that. was a big thing it's a big thing again kind remember of. when uh, transformers <laughs> was a big thing in the 80s no it's back like it's oh, they're man. just sucking everything dry now with, yeah with and they're giving it to all the wrong people yeah, so it seems. Yeah, I get like I that guy that made Con Air and The Rock. He should totally resurrect the Transformers. And you're like, I don't think he should, but you're gonna do it anyway. <laughs> well, the the revenue the revenue says otherwise. I mean, he obviously is doing something that yeah, makes people pay. For, he is, like I I'm, saw maybe the first two, but now yeah. they're like to eight or nine or something is like crazy. I I can't. I think they're understand up to how, five, like legitimate five. Transformers movies and yeah, like you, I've seen two. Oh, well, have you have you have you looked at like IMDb.com and seen how many are in production actually? Oh God, is it that bad? Yeah, it's it's insane. Like they're like in production until 2022 or something. Like <laughs> they have a plan for years and years ahead. And and I think I I saw a trailer not you know not long ago where there's a, a movie about Bumblebee. So that's like a spinoff. Yeah. It's Just, weird, too, because I don't know what timeline that falls in, because he's like a VW Beetle again, after, what, 12 cinematic years of being a Camaro, and yeah. it looks like it's in the past, so is it going to be like, they're just going to do that thing that most franchises do, and they're like, screw timelines. This is before the first movie, even though logistically it won't match up to any of the history of the universe. Still, who cares? It's like it's a robot that turns into a car yeah, and it's, it's action, and there's going to be slow motion action scenes and explosions. And like, it's look, my wife yeah. makes fun of me because in the first Transformers movie, when Peter Cullen spoke for the first time, she's yeah. I deny it, and I'm still not sure it's accurate, but she says I cried like a little kid <laughs> the first time he leaned down and was like, I am Optimus Prime. She was like, a tear rolled down your face. And I'm like, 
that's because there's this weird psychological thing with Peter Cullen's voice. <laughs> when Optimus Prime talks, most people go, oh, dad's talking, shush. And they listen, yeah. like, you know. So, yeah. <laughs> But I also grew up with the 1986 um, animated movie that was just the meanest thing ever done to children ever. And they're like, come to the theater. Your Transformers on the big screen. Look at the animation cell count. Look how much smoother it looks. And there's real musicians. And it's going to be great. And we have Leonard Nimoy and Orson Welles. And you're like, yeah. And then you go, and within like 20 minutes, you're like, they killed all of them. Why did they kill all of them? You like look at your parents, and you're like, did I do something bad? Is this the bad Transformers? Is this the lump of coal Transformers or like the good kids watching the fun one? <laughs> and I'm sorry for whatever I did that made me earn this version of Transformers. The and it's funny because I like, showed it to my I showed it to both of my kids at different times, and it didn't no effect on them at all. Oh, and but like, they don't, do don't have the same emotional yeah. connection to it. I was like, do you understand the trauma? Of this movie, and like my youngest looks at me and she's just like, You're such a dork. And then she's like, Can we watch My Little Pony Friendship is Magic? And I'm like, Yeah, I'm the dork. Here, here's your pony show. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, where can people find you if they wanted to follow you? Uh, well, I have an Instagram, but the best, the, the, the most, my most active, uh, sort of, uh, social media account is my Twitter, which is, I get it. I got to check it. I got to start my browser here and actually see what, if it's like Simon underscore Vicklin or if it's Simon Vicklin in one word, sometimes Simon Vicklin in one word is, that's the one I prefer, but sometimes it's taken. So, so I'm Simon Vicklin. Yeah. One word, name. Simon S I M O N Vicklund V I K L U N D Vicklund, which means, a grove, you know, a bunch of trees in a bay area in Swedish. That is awesome. Most Swedish uh, family names, or a lot of Swedish family names, are about like geographical locations and the nature, like mountain hills and you know forest by the something or something by the something. So that's what Vikland Vikland. That is means. so much cooler than British last names, which are just what occupation you're your family was 400 years ago in the caste system. Like, that's why everybody's yeah. either Smith, Baker, or... Like, yeah. You know? That's, that's probably has something to do with, like, like uh, where you lived in relation to the the village or something in... Yeah. In the... Like, you were the Smith for, for this place, so you guys were known as the Smiths. You made our food. You were the baker. Or cook, and those are like literally the British last. Like, are like all prof most of them are like professions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I, I was I was talking about the Swedish names, like in the relation to the village, like in gotcha. physical physical relation to like you, oh you live on live on the hill, then you're Bob on the hill, sort of. <laughs> Bob on the hill. Not that Bob is a typically typically Swedish name, but, but yeah, but I know what you mean. It's still got a yeah, really yeah. cool Swedish ring to it, but it translates to. The guy in the forest. Yeah. Or the guy near the creek. Yeah, exactly. It just sounds creek. cooler than our our last names. Uh, yeah, well, to us, it sounds like a regular w right. work, working yeah. class name, really. <laughs> well, mine, I mean, mine's my last name is Canary. And it was, before my grandfather came over from Ireland, it was Gaelic. It was Canidae. It, it doesn't even sound like what what they stamped on his thing in New York when he came over. Like, they were like, yeah, we're not saying that. You're a bird. Boom, canary. It meant something else, I assume, in, in Irish. It did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it yeah. did. But, you know, he got here, and they were like, yeah, no, that's silly. You're a, <laughs> you're a canary. Bam. Beat it, Tweety Bird. You made it. You know, and they, yeah. they pushed him off <laughs> into, <sighs> into Massachusetts <laughs> from New York. All right. But you... you um. You worked on the. Um, I was looking stuff up earlier, and my rambly mess forgot to get to it. Um, you did work for the Bionic Commando Rearmed, right? I did. Yeah, that's that's coming up now in August or September or something. It's it's ten years old. 
my brother worked at the same company as a, a quality assurance a game tester and was actually in charge for testing that game uh, when we were developing it and uh, he's gonna go on uh, some sort of a ESA it's a Euro- European speed runner assembly European yeah. speed runner assembly which is like game you know awesome games done quick but in Europe so it's it's going to be this uh, marathon of people completing games as quickly as they can and uh, it's all for charity and it's actually happening in uh, in, a, in a city in southern Stockholm this year so we're going to go there both of us he's going to play the game cuz he can beat it really fast he'll try he'll try to beat the 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 fastest uh, the, the world record and nice. I will I will be talking during the stream about you know different aspects of the development and, and stuff like that, giving sort of a commentary because he's going to be like deep in concentration. That's awesome. Send me a, yeah, send me a, um, a notification or a message where where I can watch that because I, I I dig watching speedruns. Yeah, on games it's, it's gonna, really it's gonna cool be to awesome. watch somebody that much better at a game than you just be like bam. 20 minutes, yeah. it'll take you six hours, but bam, 25 minutes and I'm done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I always tell everybody uh, that's gracious enough to come on that I have open door policy. Anytime you want to come back on, you are far than more than welcome. The door is always open to you or anybody else at the studio that wants to take the time to sit down, you know, as development goes on and things get closer. So yeah. I just I oh, definitely, definitely want to extend that to you and Thank you for graciously staying on with me this long and, and being as, as open about the project and everything else I, ra- I rambled about. Uh, it was fantastic. It and really it was. was. Uh, a lot of fun just talking about pop culture and, and whatnot. Well, Le- you're more than Lego, welcome to come Lego, on and just uh, do that. Pa- patents and... <laughs> I, no, I'm not kidding, man. I, I, I talk about anything. I don't even pre-write questions. Like, I had no questions pre-written for this episode. I just wanted to sit down and talk to you about the really awesome game you're making. And everything else was a bonus. So if you ever want to come on to just shoot the breeze and talk about nerdy crap, I am more than down for that. Yeah, I will come back. Definitely. Yes. Excellent. We'll, well, we'll stay in touch. Yes, we will. We definitely will. I've got your Twitter. I've got your Skype. I've got everything. And you've got the same. So, uh. Well, I'm going to break it for now, but um, we'll definitely pick up as soon as you want to again. Lovely. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, most definitely, dude. It was great. <laughs>